Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 21 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Just ate some cold pad thai and I'm ready to rock. Ooh. Sounds yeah. delicious. I just yeah, had a, a uh, nice bowl of yogurt and muesli. Because uh, I'm an old man. <laughs> yeah, there is a there's a Thai place. I've never been there, uh, and it's like a literally a block away from my house. And I was kind of disappointed because it's actually not that great. Um, but it is a block away from my house. I was going to say, a lot of like noodles. marginally disappointing Thai food a block away from your house is still Thai food a block away from your house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the pad Thai was better cold. To be honest with you. All right, give but it anyways, time to marinate. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. But you know what is here nor there, Dave? Is that today, we are watching episode 21 of Jetman. It's called Walking Garbage. But before we get into that, we have to get through our officially award-winning officially. opening segment. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Our first star of the week, Matt, is Cabin uh, Palooza. This is uh, this past weekend. We had the first annual... I'm going to assume it's going to be annual because uh, everybody had a blast. The first annual Cabin Palooza, which is uh, just a bunch of our friends rented a cabin down in Southern Ohio, and we went and we played games all weekend, and it was super fun. This might sound very familiar to longtime listeners to our yeah, uh, our other uh, yearly gathering, but it's yeah. it's basically the same thing, but with different people, <laughs> right? Uh, I felt very much like a, like a Sherpa as people were like, oh, like we're thinking about doing this thing. And I was like, guys, I'm an old hand at this now. I know how this works. This is what we need to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right, there are gr- uh, like, but- this is a great time to play games. Uh, and you think because all of your D&D friends are there that you're going to have time to play D&D. But you won't. You're not. And you're not even going to want not. to. Yeah, you don't want to. That's a mistake because it ties up too much time. One thing we did do is we did a uh, netrunner, like a small netrunner tournament, and it was fun, but I think it was a mistake. It took too much time. You got to listen. If you, dear listener, are planning to do a weekend getaway with a bunch of gamer friends and you're going to dedicate it to playing games, uh, my biggest piece of advice, don't get locked in on one giant long thing because then you, you miss the smorgasbord of games and activities that might otherwise be available to you. Yeah, keep it light. Keep it moving. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want to stay. You want to stay light on your feet for that one. Uh, but we played a bunch of super cool games. We played uh, Sheriff of Nottingham, which have we talked about Sheriff of Nottingham before on this show, Matt? Uh, yeah, I believe we did actually. Okay, so we played Sheriff of Nottingham. We played a new game that I had. N- I never even heard of this game. It's called Code Words. Oh, code, code names. Code, code names. was great. Code names, code words. I think something it was code like names. That. Something like that. Uh, I'm sure if you look it up, it one with one of those things. If you like search code names game, and I'm sure it'll come up. Uh, but it's super cool because it's two teams, and there's a grid, 
of a five by five grid of words, and each there's two like I said, two teams, and each team has guessers and one clue giver, and the clue giver is trying to get their team to pick particular words out of this grid, and then whoever, whichever team picks all their words first wins. Uh, and it's just, it's a super fun, very clever game. You played uh, Imperial Assault, right? Oh, Which I dude. did not get a chance to play. Okay, next time you have a chance to play it, Dave, play this game. Star Wars Imperial Assault, it's like, did you ever play, you did, I mean, I know that you, Dave, did, but have you, the listeners, ever played uh, Descent? It's like a minis board game where you kind of play through like a little Dungeons and Dragons adventure. Like you have your character and like a very small character sheet and the person. Yeah, it's got like three things on it and you're slowly getting equipment and, you know, like, like leveling up in like a very minor sort of way. Right. And so you go through basically like a board game, like adventure campaign, like as these characters. And then one person who's running the board is basically functioning as like the dungeon master. So it's this very fun hybrid between like board game and tabletop RPG. Star Wars Imperial Assault is like that, except they took all of the bits about Descent that don't really work quite right, and they fixed them all. Dude, oh, it's great. Wow. Now, that sounds super cool. Because Descent is really fun, but it's mechanically, it's got some, it's just got some weirdness. Yeah, you know what you I mean? Know, that, is, that is a genre of game that has been, like, it started out fun, but extremely clunky, because Descent is uh, not even the first game that that company made like that. They made the Doom game. Like, based off the video game? Oh, yeah. That game's, like, unplayable. Yeah, that game it's is... terrible. Yeah, it's so difficult as to basically be unplayable. I, I don't know. Maybe one of our listeners out there has played and enjoyed Dune, um, but I it did not. Wait, you mean Doom? Doom. Because the Doom, Dune yeah. board game... Oh, like the is, old uh, one from, like... Yeah, like the it was super licensed old when one. the movie came out? That is... Yeah. That is a that very is, fun game. I know. For, like, a super old, like, slightly weird game based on a licensed property, uh, I am a fan of the Dune board game. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, Star Wars Imperial Assault, totally great. And while you were playing Netrunner, I was playing Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker. Uh, so I was totally thrilled that you guys were playing Netrunner because Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker is a delight. Yeah, uh, the Netrunner thing was really fun. I did not bring honor to my family or house. <laughs> uh, I got whooped. Like, whoop, nah, I wouldn't say, like, whooped hard, but, like, I did not do well. Like, I... I because what we did is we did a draft. So uh, what it is is there's, like, a selection of cards... And everybody kind of, there's a process by which you go through it. And everybody kind of picks particular cards, but you never know what's coming. So you're sort of trying to, like, assemble this thing on the fly out of a semi-random assortment of cards. And I I thought I had a real solid idea. (laughs) Uh, And I did not. Uh, It did not work out well at all. So I didn't do super well in the tournament, but it was a lot of fun anyways. All right, so yes, Kevin Palooza, wonderful time. So, uh, yeah, that's our first star of the week. What, Matt, is our uh, second star of the week? So, Dave, I mentioned in a previous episode or two that I have just started a new job, right? Yeah. And yes, at you this 100% job, did mention that. Uh, at this job, I have a desk, like a little cubicle area of my own, which does not sound necessarily super exciting, but... Uh, my last couple of jobs did not have like a dedi- like I had a desk, 
but it was not like a dedicated space of my own that I could like. Yeah, there was no zone. Yeah, right. Like it was more of like an open office thing. You couldn't really like personalize your area at all. And the thing Mm -hmm. that I have noticed after working at this job for two weeks is that everyone has their desk like super personalized. Like I did not know who was buying all those Funko Pop toys. Oh, the ones with, like, they're sort of, like, bobblehead looking, but not quite? Yeah, they got, like, the big yeah, head, yeah, the yeah. small body, and, like, the blank, like, eyes that stare out into nothingness and the expressionless faces that people think are cute. Yeah, yeah, They're sort of, they're, like, existentially horrifying versions of popular pop culture figures. Exactly. Those are the ones. Yeah, I know I know the ones you're talking about. So, do you know who buys all those? People with cubicles, Dave. I, <laughs> I swear to you, not... Not every desk has a Funko Pop toy, but the ones that do usually have at least two, sometimes more. I think, and I don't know what, like, how much time I would have to spend to like really get a good sample of this. So I'm not sure exactly, but I think that the ratio of employee to Funko Pop toy is about one to one. Like just wandering around the office, like yeah, well, there's none at that desk, none at that desk, four at that desk, one at that desk, two over there. <laughs> So is it a pretty, is it like an even spread or like, is it a lot of comic books? Cause they've got these things for like everything, right? Well, let's see. It's mostly Ben. We got a, well, a lot of Star Wars. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot sense. of Star Wars, a handful of comics, uh, some Harry Potter, some Buffy, uh, um, a smattering of other things. I think you got a little, are there Doctor Who, Funko Pop toys? If there are, then they are there. Dude, there's gotta be. Like, I refuse to believe. Like, listen, man. Doctor Who, like, whoever runs the Doctor Who merchandising game, uh, they are on their grind on a daily basis. Because there's Doctor Who license everything. Uh, <laughs> so what would you, so aside from Funko Pop Toys, Matt, what would you say is the ratio of, like, tchotchkes to knacks? Knickknacks? Ooh. You know what I mean? Well, you know, it's mostly... I have found that, like, there's a handful of, like, plants, like, desk plants. Okay. Uh, mostly succulents. Uh, a lot of uh, Legos. I always find... Sorry. As a brief aside, I find succulents, like, vaguely disturbing. Just because they can, like, hang out for so long? No. It's that they're plants, but they're, like, fleshy. Uh, and I just find them like disconcerting. Like I don't like to, I don't like to touch them because they feel it's, it's a plant, but it's, I don't know. They just weird me out a little bit. Okay. Uh, that Sorry. sounds like something you might have to deal with on your own time. <laughs> uh, dude, my, my room, you know, okay. So I'm a teacher, right? Right. I, so I have a desk, uh, but teachers, you know, we sort of have, we have a classroom and teachers love to decorate their classrooms. It's like a thing, right? Right. Uh, I do not. Uh, okay, so specifically, and this isn't all like 100% true, but uh, it tends to be that female teachers, their rooms are like way more decorated. My room is like a Spartan, it's like a Franciscan monk's cell. It's like there's desks <laughs> okay. and my desk and a pile of papers and that's it. Just blank walls. I <laughs> I actually had a, t- like my prince, you know, because like we have evaluations, right? And the principal comes in and they like watch you do a lesson and then you chat about it afterwards. And so I was chatting with my principal after the evaluation 
And she said, so, uh, you know, I noticed that you don't have any decorations in your room. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I just never really, I, I don't know. Just I just never, don't, you I know, don't decorate. Did it. I just don't, I didn't do it. She said, yeah, I would tell you. This is amazing. She's like, I would tell you to decorate, but you're a guy, so... So don't worry about it. So, like, she but, just, like, otherwise, she would have made, like, an administrative mandate that you put up a poster? Not, like, a mandate, but she would have been like, hey, get some decoration up. But she's like, you're a guy. I get it. Like, male teachers just don't really decorate their rooms, I guess. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm a male teacher, and I don't. So, so yeah, so that's a thing. But I've asked the kids, and I was like, do you guys, would you guys be more comfortable if I had, like, some Garfield posters up? And they're like, no, we hate that. Yeah, nobody cares that Garfield hates Mondays. Like, that has nothing to do with anything you're learning. Uh, Dave, like Dave, little kid Dave, posters problem, that say, like... The problem there, Dave, is that you're generationally uh, mixed up. They don't want Garfield. They want Grumpy Cat because Grumpy Cat... Hey, hey, guys, guess what? Grumpy Cat is just Garfield. You you, you think it's a different thing, but it's not. It's a, it's an angry cat. It's the same thing. You guys, you guys like Garfield. P.S. <laughs> you think you like one thing, but what you actually like is Garfield. Okay, we can get back to the episode now. I just need to put out that PSA. <laughs> Grumpy Cat is Garfield. There you go. Also, uh, minions are just troll dolls. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Yeah. Super Sentai Brothers speaking uncomfortable truths into your life. You're welcome. Uh, so, so Matt, so are you doing any? Are you decorating your your zone, your space? Uh, well, I'll tell you. I have done two things so far. Um, okay. I have begun to do two things. When I got home from work yesterday, I found a package from Amazon containing the first bit that I had totally forgotten that I'd bought until I opened up the box. Uh, I bought a high-end Japanese action figure, uh, the SH Figure Arts of uh, the Ryu Ranger from Die Ranger. Oh, nice. Oh, dude. Yeah, I've, I don't, I'm not like an action figure guy, but those guys are like kind of the Cadillac of action figures, dude, let, are they not? let me text you a photograph that I took of my new toy. Um, it comes with 14 different hands, Dang. uh, two heads, which are just both the helmet, but in one of them, like the little dragon's eyes are painted in. Um, let's see. What else does this thing have? It has basically all of his accessories. It comes with like, it has the sword. It's got the spear. It's got the gun. It's got like different variations on those things. It's got two chakras. This thing is bananas. Awesome. Uh, I've, so I've gotten that. I'm going to bring it in and set it up. I have these vintage... Okay, they're not vintage. They're called vintage. They're called the like vintage Marvel Comics calendars. Um, and they are just calendars with old uh, Marvel comic book covers on them. Oh, rad. And so what I was going to do was bring in like the old ones and sort of like tear them off and just put up the comic cover as like a poster. And then yeah, I remembered yeah, are... like, I could just buy a new calendar and put it up and then I would also have a calendar. So I've done that and that should be here by Monday. So... <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll have a calendar with Spider-Man on it and, like, a Ryu Ranger, and that's cool. Um, I don't know how much more I can add to my cubicle. I'm trying to ride that delicate balance between, like, putting up a couple of, like, talismatic nerd things, but not so many. Yeah. Because you never want to quite be that guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to be careful. You got to be careful about, like, descorations. Okay. I'm I'm willing to accept that. Uh... (laughs) 
Man, I feel I feel like we're pretty far down the rabbit hole here. Okay. Uh, and I feel a desperate need to be free of this particular star. <laughs> okay. Well, then, Dave, what is our third star of the week? So our third star of the week, Matt, is uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I know, again, uh, hot takes on a media that is like months old. But Assassin's Creed Syndicate is great. Okay. So now, this is the one set in like Victorian London, right? Yeah, it's set in Victorian London, and you play, and this is actually a pretty cool take, is that you play two different characters, twins, right? Fraternal twins. Like, Jacob and Evie Fry are their names, and uh, they each sort of level up separately, and they each have, like, different goals that they are trying to accomplish. So, you can't, like, you have to play as both of them, which is really neat, because they have sort of different play styles, right? Which is really cool. Uh, the degree of detail in the game as far as, like, the city being built and, like, the people that are there and the quality of how it looks, um, it's a <laughs> like, it's things are getting intense, dude. Like, in, in video game world, it's just getting, like, things are getting extraordinarily detailed um, to a degree that it, like, it's a tiny bit weird. Does that make sense? Yeah. I like, you're just looking saying. at it. Yeah, and you're just like, wow, this is just really, this is very real. Um, like, the map, there's an overhead map, right? Like, you know, like, games just have overhead maps, right? Sure. But the overhead map for this game is just, the camera just zooms out, and you're just looking at the city from, like, way up high. It's that detailed. It's kind of amazing. Uh, but the game is super fun, and it has one of my favorite sort of gameplay-style mechanics, which is, like, there's an entrenched power structure, and you are doing, like, little mini side missions to chip away at that power structure and establish your own. So, like, there's a gang that runs New York City that is, of course, run by the bad guys, and you are starting your own, like, assassins-based gang that is the good guys, and you're, like, buying upgrades for your gang, which is called the Rooks, which is awesome. Uh, you're buying, like, upgrades and training and carriages and stuff. Oh, and you drive carriages around city, the city, right? Nice. Uh, which is cool, but it's very disconcerting for me because, of course, you're in London. And so the traffic is backwards. Like, everybody drives <laughs> on the left side of the road. And so, so when I first started the game, I kept, like, careening headlong into traffic coming. I was like, why is the traffic on the road? I would not have even oh. considered that. Yeah. I was like, why do I keep, oh, because I'm in London. I'm driving on the wrong side of the road. Uh, so this game has also taught me that I should not drive in London uh, if I find myself there because I will just I'll try to drive on the right side of the road and then I'll die. But Assassin's Creed Syndicate is great. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to playing some more of it. Now, does it really all like? Does it fall into the classic Assassin's Creed trap where the game, like of being back in time and being the assassin, is super great and totally fun, and then every once in a while you have to do like modern day stuff that completely sucks all the life out of it? Not. So far, and actually the last one or two games have been way, way better about that. I think after Assassin's Creed 3, where like the the sort of ending of the game was so disastrously weird and lame, they were just like, listen, man, you just want to be like running around in whatever historical location, stabbing dudes in the throat with your wrist knife. So just more of that, uh, which is great. It was great. Although so, I will say in Assassin's Creed 4, the Black Flag, which I've just recently finished. 
because you know we're super on top of all this stuff um like the outside of the pirate part of the game where you're like in first person wandering around an office building was so like boring and like unnecessary that i wondered why they even bothered putting it in the game like i like I appreciate it that they didn't make me play as Desmond for like hours in that one, but on the other hand, like they should have just cut out entirely. It was yeah. ruinous. Yeah, like there's a degree to which like they're they're like Ubisoft is really dedicated to like the meta narrative of Assassin's Creed. And on one hand, I kind of admire it, but on the other hand, I just want to run around historical cities and, like, stab dudes in the throat with my wrist knife. Right. See, that's the thing. Anytime I play an Assassin's Creed game, I just come into it with the full knowledge that I will 100% love 85% of that game. And, like, the rest (laughs) of it, I just need to get through. Right. Although I'm trying really hard not to fall into, like, the side quest trap. Because it's like, there's a million things to gather. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to gather all of those things. And then you forget that there's actually like a quest that you should be going right, on. Because right, you're right. running around getting all the chests in Westminster or something. Uh, but so anyways, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I'm having a blast so far. Uh, that's really it. What, Matt, is our uh, fourth star of the week? Dave, our fourth star of the week is that when I got home from Cabin Palooza last weekend, I finally took my Christmas tree down. Ooh, yeah, mine's still up. Um, And it's one of those things that I always kind of dread doing just because it's a pain. Like, putting a Christmas tree up is also a pain, but it's fun. Right, it's like a fun pain. Like you're decorating and making your place look festive and cool. Uh, This is just as much of a pain, but, like, at the end of it, your apartment looks, like, empty and drab and you don't know what to put in the space that used to have a tree. (laughs) Like, seriously, there's just a spot right. behind my love seat that is just empty, just completely empty. And it did not, it doesn't bother me like most of the year. But the month after I take the tree down, I'm like, man, should I buy like a credenza? Do I even have like a good idea as to what a credenza is? And then I look it up and I'm like, yeah, I sort of knew what that was. And maybe I could get one. But like, yeah, there's just this. Is it like spot a table now. thing? Uh, it's sort of like, you know, your like buffet table. It's sort of like a smaller version of that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right on. Uh, anyway, yeah. So that's kind of all that I have for this. It's just like a big thing that happened in my week. I took my Christmas tree down, and now my place looks boring. Uh, yeah. I think you need to. You got to get more. Got to get more knickknacks, man. Yeah. You got to get more stuff. See, I, 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 I'm, having, I'm having it on both ends, dude. I got to get more stuff yeah. at home, and I've got to decorate a desk at work. Like, I am... I'm going into like full decoration overload and I do not quite know how to handle it. <laughs> Cause all the stuff that I want to put on my desk at work, like all the cool stuff that I have at home, I like at home. Like there's right. a reason that I have that stuff on my coffee table. Just get just get a duplicate of everything that you already own and then bring that to the <laughs> Just make to your my office. desk like a tiny version of my apartment. Like a <laughs> tiny two scale version of my apartment. That would be pretty amazing, actually. Okay, I don't have anything else for that. Do you have anything to say about your Christmas tree that is probably still up? Uh, it's probably a fire hazard, but I have LED lights, so they don't generate heat, so it's cool, I guess. Okay, well... Uh, but yeah, that thing is dry. We talked a long time about desk decorations in Assassin's Creed, so we can just skip this yeah. one over pretty quickly. I just wanted to mention it. <laughs> 
Because nowadays, so. now, Dave, it is time to talk about our fifth star of the week. And our fifth star yeah. of the week is Rumble in the Bronx. Because I just watched Rumble in the Bronx for the first time in like a couple of years. And let me tell you, dude, Rumble in the Bronx is the business. How long has it been, Dave, since you have enjoyed that perfection of cinema? Ah, oh, dang, man. It's probably been a couple of years. Okay, so here are the things. If you have never I mean, s- it's glorious. Listen, listeners, if you have never seen Rumble in the Bronx, it's on Netflix, which I know because I was sitting at home the other day on my computer, or on my uh, Xbox, rather, playing a video game, and I saw on Twitter that uh, Jake Mason from uh, the Morphin Grid said that it was on Netflix, and so I stopped playing the video game I was playing, put on Netflix, and watched <laughs> Rumble in the Bronx immediately. <laughs> Because that's what you do when you find out important information is you act on it, Dave. Yeah. So speaking of, Matt, we will have to finish this podcast later. Okay. I have a movie to watch. You go back. Suddenly. Okay. Let's take a quick break. You go watch Rumble in the Bronx. We'll be right back. This is a fiction. Dave is not actually doing that. Yeah, not not actually. But yeah, bet you want to, dude. Because let me tell you a few things about Rumble in the Bronx that you might have forgotten. Okay. In Rumble in the Bronx, Jackie Chan fights, like, 40 dudes on dirt bikes. I did not remember that. And, and, like, and not just once. There are a couple of different, like, big set pieces where he is fighting, like, dirt bike thugs. Awesome. Later, he goes to their base. Their base, which, like, okay, let me tell you about this gang's base from Rumble in the Bronx. So, it's like... It looks when they walk in like it is made out of like an abandoned bus and some empty pallets. But as soon as you get inside of it, it looks like it was designed by a 13-year-old who watched a lot of Ninja Turtles in the 90s. Who like was trying to describe to you what a dive bar looked like but had no idea what it was outside of like old Batman comics and Ninja Turtles things. Oh my gosh, yes. So like it's all like bright colors and there's like a... Like a DJ in there, like spinning records, and there's pinball machines, and like a oh, whole so like, room just full of empty refrigerators for no so reason wait. at all. So this is like a dive club as designed by like Joel Schumacher. Yes, not quite as neon, but like okay. it's on its way. Right, it's getting there. Um, it's great. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Is it looks like a Ninja Turtles playset brought to life, without like ooze dripping out of everything. Uh, it was great. Jackie Chan goes in there, beats up the entire gang. Um, awesome. uh, and then as he is leaving, because the gang just stops fighting him, because they're like, okay, this is enough. Jackie Chan walks out and says, like, you should be doing something better with their lives. And then they're like, you know what? He's right. So, like, he, we the should. first half of the movie, the first half of this movie is Jackie Chan punching and kicking dudes who are, like, on dirt bikes who are trying to murder him. Then he okay. goes and kicks them all in the face. And they're like, we should be better people because Jackie Chan kicked us and told us we should be. Like, his smiling face and thunderous kicks turned those murderous thugs into, like, real sweethearts who, by the end of the movie, Jackie Chan is trying to rescue because they are his friends. Dude, I am, like, 90% convinced that that is probably just what it's actually like to get punched in the face by Jackie Chan. Like, he hits you in the face, and you're just like, why would such a good person hit me? Oh, my gosh, I got to get my life right, man. And then later, Jackie Chan uh, murders a hovercraft by using a sports card and a 
big sword? Did I say card? Yes! I, I remember that! Card. He just holds it out the window, right? Yeah, he just... No, well, the door is gone because, it like, the door is, like, flipped up and they got knocked oh, off. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so he just, like, sticks this giant, like, serrated sword that he took out of a store that was called Antique Store but should have been called, like junk like looking prop store <laughs> uh sticks it out the window murders a hovercraft saves his friends and then they like he and the cops fix the hovercraft with duct tape and they find the dude who was behind like the diamond ice like this big crime boss at a golf course they run him over with the hovercraft which leaves him like faced out on the ground with all of his clothes ripped off so the movie ends with you seeing an old man's butt and then jackie chan like smiles and high fives his new friends it's so good dude uh <laughs> man i love jackie chan movies it legit bums me out that we do not like he just doesn't seem to do a whole ton of movies anymore, which I could get it. He's an old dude. Yeah, and like uh, those are not easy movies to make. I can imagine. Right, but it does really bum me out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think about it pretty often because the thing is, like, even a bad <laughs> Jackie Chan movie still has Jackie Chan like hitting somebody with something that isn't meant to be a weapon, and that's amazing. Yeah, there is okay. This is like a semi-famous like Jackie Chan story, but uh, in case you haven't heard it, I'll, I'll tell it really quickly. Apparently, uh, Jackie Chan was one of the stuntmen on Enter the Dragon. I think it's Enter the Dragon, but like it's a Bruce Lee movie, right? And in the movie, Bruce Lee like cracks Jackie Chan in the face with nunchucks, but like it's supposed to be a stunt, but he does accidentally like hit him really hard, right? Uh And according to Jackie Chan, like, he manages to hold it together, they finish the scene, and then Bruce Lee runs over and is just, like, hugging him. He's like, oh, my gosh, dude, are you okay? And Jackie Chan (laughs) says, he's like, I wasn't really hurt that badly, but I pretended to be hurt, like, way more than I was so that Bruce Lee would keep, like, talking to me and giving me hugs. (laughs) And that was, like, the single greatest day of my life, Uh, which I think tells you everything you need to know about Jackie Chan. Uh, Anyway. So, Matt, I think that's it, right? For the yes. five stars? Uh, that is it for our five stars. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to watch episode 21, Walking Garbage, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching episode 21, Walking Garbage. And, Dave, I have a question for you. Yeah. And listen, this isn't a question you need an answer to right now, but I think that it's something that we should try to we should try to solve this riddle by the end of this episode as well as we can. Uh, okay, sure. What? D- yeah, Dave, go for this it. is what? episode 21 of the show. It we is. haven't missed an episode. No. There's not like secret information out there that we haven't received. There's not. So we should know the answer to this. It seems like a pretty simple question. Mm-hmm. Dave, what are the dimensional beasts? Because you think you know, and then you get an episode like this. Dude. In which all rules are thrown out the window. I've been sort of, I'm actually pleased that you asked that question. Now, this is not a joke. I did not know that you were going to ask that. But I've been thinking about it this whole episode, and I think feel like I kind of have an answer. Okay, well, we will we will revisit that. I'm this. semi-satisfied with, which I think might be all that we can truly hope for. Yeah, so we will revisit this at the end of the episode and try our best to talk it through. <laughs> but just, I wanted yeah. to bring it up now, because 
it's something that I, the first time I saw this episode, I was asking myself the entire time. Just what is up with this bunker show? Right. What is up with like a very basic component of this show that I've already seen 20 times? Well, listen, Matt, uh, if you and I can't answer it, who can? Truly. Who can? Truly. So, okay, so we're not even going to try to recap this one. We're just going to get right into no, it. No, man. Uh, there's too too much. Too much to recap. Uh, it's not going to happen. Let's just go. Let's just go into it. So, we see uh, this. Okay, so the scene opens. It's on the street. We see some garbage men that are throwing away garbage. Uh, they've got a garbage truck, like you do. And Akko walks up to them with a teddy bear, which, as far as I can tell, is like a perfectly good teddy bear. Like, it looks like it's in fine shape. One of the eyes, like, one of its button eyes is sort of, like, loose. Yeah, which takes, like, 30 seconds to fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, he, but she, she like, chases yeah. after them. It's like, oh, oh, please take this away and just hands a teddy bear to them. But she takes, a, she has this a bell that falls off of the teddy bear and she picks that up. So we don't know, like, exactly what's up yet, but Akko has thrown away a teddy bear, right? Right. Next scene. Viram Dimension. Viram Dimension. Uh, we get, a, like, a quick check-in on Semimaru. I think that they're, like, they're trying to build suspense about Semimaru. Uh, they're not doing a great job. <laughs> well, you don't... they never really spent a lot of time with him. They just sort of stop in every episode to see that he's grown. And at this point, Semimaru is big enough that he is now like a dude in a monster suit. <laughs> he's right. no longer uh, a prop. And he, so you see him and he's in this sort of like misty zone of the Viram dimension. And then he is wrapped up in energy silk, which then solidifies into some sort of cocoon. Because remember, if you do, again, he sort of looks like giant, like a giant caterpillar. But now he's like a giant monstrous caterpillar with like little wings. I'm not sure. But anyways, uh, we flip from there. So Radigat is like off doing his thing with Semimaru, and we see the other three Viram commanders. And Maria is sort of striding around, uh, yelling to slash about the Jetman. And she says, I soon I will have burned you in the fires of hell. Uh, and Tran is just laughing at her. Because he says, listen, uh, you can yell all you want, but that doesn't actually do anything. So, you know, like, he's just kind of making fun of her. And so she's, like, holding her dimensional bug, and Tran, like, zaps it with a tractor beam and, like, pulls it out of her hand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she's like, hey, my, like, my dimensional bug. Like, what are you doing? And he's just laughing, and he kind of just, like, he just tosses it through a dimensional rift, and it lands in garbage. In, like, a garbage dump. Right. Now, question number one, Dave. In our continuing series of questions throughout this episode as to what on earth the dimensional beasts are, do they have, like, a limited amount of those dimensional bugs? Like, why was she upset? the case. Because, like, it's not like they ever seem to run out. Like, why was she upset about this one? Okay, so here's a theory. So the dimensional bugs are obviously some sort of, like, creature, right? So maybe the dimensional bugs are, like, native to some weird dimension, 
And it's not that they will run out, but that they have to go, like, get them, right? So I thought they had something in their base that, like, generated them. Didn't they? Oh. Didn't we see it early in the show? I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I don't know about that. So that's my... Okay, let's just go with that. So either they have something, and it's like, let's just assume that, like, whatever it is, they're not going to run out, but they're, like, a pain to come by. You know what I mean? Like, there's an infinite supply. You just got to go get it. Or, like, you know, it's on, like, a... It's on, like, a cooldown. Like, you can only get one per day. Yeah, and she's just like, hey, I was going to do a thing with that. I was going to make a sword dimension or something. Uh, But he tosses it through a dimensional rift and just lands on some garbage. This is where things start to get really strange. They don't stop getting strange here. Uh, This is just the initial snowball in the avalanche of weirdness that is this episode. So it lands, the dimensional bug does, it lands on the teddy bear that Akko has thrown away, which we're about to find out is named Pouton. Yes. So it, it lands on Pouton, and when that happens, we see a series of flashbacks of, like, little kid Akko playing with this teddy bear. So first of all, and it's like, you know, it's her teddy bear. Like, it's a big deal. Right, it's like the right? one that she carries everywhere. She loves it. She sleeps with it. Like, she gives it a little, like, kiss on the cheek. She has little tea parties right. with it. Like, this is her, like, primo toy number one. Right. And, like, listen, dude. I was not, like, I was not, like, a teddy bear guy. I did not have, like, this is my teddy bear that I carry around everywhere. But... I did have some, and they are 100% in the basement of my house right now. Uh, Because they're, like, unpacked because I moved recently. And I walked by it the other day. I'm 33 years old. I am 33 years old. I'm a grown man. I, like, walked past this teddy bear the other day, and I, like, picked it up. And I was like, oh, yeah, man. Like, I remember this teddy bear from my childhood. Yeah. Like, I had, like, a prime teddy bear when I was a kid. And, like... I yeah. still got it. Like, it's a very important sort of, like, relic of my youth. And Akko, like, just... Right! Like, not only did she throw it away, like, she was so intent on throwing it away that she had forgotten to put it in the trash and chased the garbage truck down the street to make sure that it got out of her house that day. Like, that is messed up, Akko. Like, who does that? Uh, okay, so anyways, so Akko, uh, cold as ice, has thrown away this teddy bear, but this is the weird, okay, so we are seeing these memories, and I want to be clear, these memories are not from Akko, these memories are from Puton, who has been, like, quickened through the strange dimensional magic of the dimensional bug. It is as though he is, like, a... Teddy, like a garbage teddy bear, Frosty the Snowman, and the magical top hat has landed on his head. Yes, except somehow the power of the dimensional bug is such that it like goes back in time. It like retcons Puton's existence as though he had been like aware and conscious the entire time. And like, and has only now woken up. Yes, so now Putan has like, a personality, and memories of its entire existence. But here's the weird thing. 
is that it's not just Putan that becomes uh, what is going to be uh, the trash dimension. Trash dimension, yeah. Like, it's Putan and the pile of trash he was part of. So, like, his head is a giant teddy bear head with, like, one mangled ear and his eye, like, half falling out. And the rest of his body is compiled of other pieces of trash. So somehow, the dimensional bug, like, turned Putan's brain into, like, a living thing, but then also, like, made him into a trash-themed monster with trash-themed superpowers. He is not a teddy bear monster. He is a trash monster. So this thing... Like, made a judgment call on Putan as to whether or not to go teddy bear or trash, and decided to go trash. Yeah. Also, uh, like, none of the other pieces... Like, the other pieces of trash are just trash. So maybe it glommed onto him as, like, the most powerful psychic field? I don't know. Because here's the question. But this... What is the dimensional beast? Is the dimensional yeah. beast the spider that has used, like, an item as a template? Or is the dimensional beast the item that has been empowered by the dimensional bug? Also, do dimensional beasts have memories of their lives as object before they were a dimension beast? This seems to indicate that, yes, in fact, they do, uh, which brings up a whole host of bizarre ethical yeah. questions that I did not think I would ever have to deal with okay. literally in my entire here's life. here's the thing, Dave. Here's the thing. Because Putan, as we will see soon, is not like an angry monster. Putan is like yeah. a cuddly teddy bear who happens to have a body made out of stinky trash. Which yes. is unfortunate for him. But, but, here's the thing, Dave, is that he has a personality preset, like based on who he was before he was a dimensional beast. So does that mean that the vending machine dimension was just a vending machine that was waiting to be evil? It was an evil vending machine that got brought to life? I think that must so be the is case. Is like the natural state of most inanimate objects evil? Like seething hatred for right. the human beings that use it? Uh, this seems to indicate that, yeah... Your, your, like, your car hates you. Your car hates you. Your desk lamp hates you. Uh, the microphone I'm recording this at hates your me. Your faucet and hates given you. The op- A plane that you fly yeah. in hates you. Your apartment building hates you. Right. Unless, perhaps, you have a particular object to which you have shown just a lot of love. Maybe? Uh... I don't know, okay. man. Listen, man, when we were watching Die Ranger, if someone were to walk into the room and be like, hey, why are those superheroes fighting that bad, bad cactus man? You could be like, oh, like that bad, bad cactus man is a general and he's part of like an, a tribe of monsters and it's like a race of people that are like in a war. And people would say, okay, I get it. And then they would leave or whatever. If someone walked into the room while watching this episode and said like, hey, what's up with that like trash teddy bear that's following people around? Like, there is no good way to explain what on earth no is happening. Dude, I, I have no idea. Like, I can't wrap... Like, I'm having an existential problem with this. Uh, By the way, listen, we, are, man. we are now in the, like, 13, 14 minute mark on this uh, recording. Um, We are probably one minute into this episode. Uh, Okay, so we jump from there. There's, like, a really quick scene just of Akko, like, falling asleep. Uh, for reasons I don't understand. Uh, and then we see 
trash well, dimension sleeping, wandering around. She's sleeping in school, like at her desk. Oh, that's and, right. And like she has the bell that had fallen off Putan, and like she's kind of talking in her sleep, like, oh, like little Putan, let's take a nap together. I love you so much. You're so warm and cuddly. Which, if that is your, right. like, if that is how you felt about it, why did it go in the trash this morning? Yeah, for real, Akko. Like, everyone uh, in her then, class is, like, letting her sleep, but staring at her and laughing. Yeah, that's a thing that happens, though. That's that's legit. Uh, okay, so we go to the streets of Tokyo and Trash Dimension slash Putan. Here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm just going to call him Putan. So Putan is wandering around, and, like, people are obviously freaking out because he's, like, a giant pile of trash with like a big teddy bear right, and they're now uh, like you know 21 weeks into being harassed by these giant monsters so their immediate right. response is to run away yeah which is good you, that's what you should do when you see a monster uh but puton it, it, like and at first he's like ah i'm trash dimension uh like and he's like trying to be scary but he runs into a little kid and the little kid has a toy and the toy drops and he's like the kid is like really upset about it and Putan runs over and he says oh no 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 i'm super sorry and then he does like a flashy eye beam and he turns he fixes the toy like he turns it from garbage into like a pristine new toy and he hands it back to the uh, kid and like the kid stops crying like doesn't smile cuz he's still standing next to like a smelly garbage man but Right. Uh, and not like a crying. garbage man as though a person, you know what I mean. I'm not saying that yeah. like people who pick up your garbage are smelly. I'm not saying anything negative about garbage man. I'm saying that this is a man made of garbage. <laughs> right. But the the kid's mom runs up and he's just like, who knows what diseases he may catch from that? And like throws it away and like hustles her kid away. Uh, and Putin's like, that's weird, but like I don't understand what's happening, but like let's move on. So he is kind of wandering around and people are continuing to run away from him. And then there's a dude who's like jumps in his car and is trying to get it started. But this car is a trash heap. Like it's a tear, yeah, it's, it's like, like rusted an old, out. crummy car. And like it won't start. Right. And Putin is like, oh, he's trying to start his car, but it's old and broken. I'll fix it. He zaps it with his I beam and his, it becomes like this brand new car. And the guy drives away. Yeah. So like, why is he so scared? I just fixed his car. Yeah. So Putan apparently has the power to restore like old destroyed artifacts to like their original pristine condition. Matt, let me ask you a quick question. Yes. As a librarian and a specialist in archives, uh, how valuable would Putan be? Just to, like, I don't know, humanity in general. Oh, dude. I mean, listen. Like, a guy who can just take a thing and restore it to its original state by blinking at it. Like, just imagine the possibilities. And not Uh, just for, like, you know, restoring archival materials or fixing old, decrepit buildings that have been condemned. Just imagine, like, oh... Like, honestly, when I was watching that, I was remembering my years and years of having terrible cars and thinking, like, oh, my gosh. Like, this would be the greatest thing that ever happened to this man. Like, he got scared by a trash bear, but he has a brand new car now. But, yeah. Uh... So, so Putan just wants to help. He just wants to help, uh, but people are freaking out and they run and they're like attacking him. They're throwing something at him. I honestly have no idea what they're throwing at him. I think that it is meant to be rocks, but they don't actually want to be throwing rocks at like the human inside of the Putan suit. And so they are like little like like, foam rocks. 
Yeah, and so and so people are freaking out around him, and he is like getting scared and upset. All right, we jump to the Viram dimension. Maria's like, this is terrible. Trash dimension is a total waste of time. And then she sort of like fades out of the Viron dimension and into like Tokyo. We see that Puton is just sitting on like a park bench bemoaning his fate. He's like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand what's happening. Right. Like, I used to be All a I'm doing teddy is bear, being nice. And now I'm helping right. people and everything is going wrong. Maria arrives and is just so furious that he's not a murderous rampaging beast that she's like, I'm just going to kill this thing. Yeah. So she just attacks him and is like, you know, trying to like either like, I can't tell if she's trying to kill him or like goad him into being like a murderous dimensional beast. Oh, also, by the way, Putan is voiced by either a child or, or, like, someone doing a fairly convincing child impersonation. And Putin's personality is very childlike. Uh, and so Maria is attacking him, like, really viciously. And it's, like, this little kid voice crying out to, like, please not be hurt. And it's genuinely disturbing. Yeah, this is... There's a lot, there's a lot of weird things going on in this episode. Yeah, uh, okay, so Maria is attacking Putan, and the Akko arrives kind of out of nowhere, and Putan, like, runs over and is like, oh, please help me. Uh, Akko is like, I'm not sure what's going on, you're clearly a dimensional beast, but, like, you're running away, so her instinct is correct, and she sort of leaps to the defense of Putan and attacks Maria. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so she and Maria fight for a little bit, but Maria's getting the yeah, best like of her. Yeah, like it's real quick. Uh, Maria sort of like knocks her back and Akko drops the bell that she had been carrying earlier that of course was like Putan's bell. And when it lands, yes. Putan hears it and is like, oh, like it ring. Okay, it rings a bell. That is what it, it both literally <laughs> and figuratively <laughs> rings a bell. Right. So uh, so he remembers, and then the other Jetmen show up, and Maria's like, all right, you know, bugger this for a gang of soldiers, I'm out. So she kind of, like, fades out. Uh, and then Putan sees Akko, his memory being jogged by the bell, and is like, oh, mommy, it's you. Because, you know, like, Akko is a little kid, calls herself the mother of Putan, like little kids do. Right. It's just like, oh, mommy, it's you. Which, uh, again, this does nothing to resolve the very real existential questions that this episode is bringing up. Re the nature of dimensional beasts. Yes. By the way, there's one brief moment in here where after Maria leaves, Guy turns around, sees Putan, is like, ah, there's one more, and like is about to attack him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, I forgot about that. It's very brief, but if Akko had not been there, Guy would have absolutely like shot that thing with a laser. Right, like, again, like, semi-reasonably so, because all the other Viron Dimension beasts have just been uh, attacking. So we see, okay, so we, we, we're done with that scene, and then we just see Akko walking somewhere, and Putan is sort of doing a very bad job of trying to follow her, but sneakily, and it catches up with her. It kind of, like, pops out. It's just like, Mommy, like, I'm here, and I love you. And Akko's like, no, get away from me. You stink. And and amazingly, Akko is like, she continues to insist that she is not this thing's mother, 
despite the fact that it is like it is very obviously her teddy bear. Yeah, and like this happens for like this scene goes on for a couple of minutes of just yeah, Pluton like, like following her long. around and begging her to love him and her rejecting him over and over again. Yeah, demonstrating once again that people are the true monsters. So uh, this happens for a this... while, and eventually Pluton collapses. And right. Well, like, hold up. Just for a second, Matt. Uh, this episode, like, here's the crazy thing about this episode, right? Is that it is, um, it's Frankenstein. This episode is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Like, kind of, sort of. It's also a very special episode teaching us a lesson about recycling. Oh, yeah, it totally is. But yeah, like, I kept watching this. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is Frankenstein. Like, this is a monster created, and, like, it just wants to be loved, and people are horrible to it, and then it's going to turn into a monster later. Yep, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. Yeah, yeah, spoilers. They do at some point fight Putin. Uh, but we will see how. So, uh, it's following Akko around, and eventually, it's like, it collapses. And it's like, I can't continue. I'm so hungry. And at this point, Akko softens, and is like, okay, like... And she comes up with, like, a weird, dumb idea that for some reason is the exact right thing that needs to happen. Uh, the reason, Matt, is that we are watching Trojan Sentai. Right, and they need to get through all of this stuff in, like, 20 minutes. So she drags right. Putan to, uh, like, a local trash dump, probably the one he was at before. Uh, it is. It is 100% the one that he was at before. Because the same guy is working there. And the guy who's working there, like, he's sitting there, he's on his lunch, he's eating some noodles, his back is turned. And Akko says, like, hey, like, I need your help here. And the guy says, oh, like, you know, whatever, I already have enough trash, don't bring me that, I don't feel like picking that big piece of trash up. And she's like, oh, no, no, and like, she says, this one is alive. Which the dude is somehow pretty okay with. Yeah, he turns around and he sees Putan, which, you know, is a monster. And he says, oh, science right. has made such advancements. Trash can walk now. <laughs> and, like, that is the like, only, like, huh. he came up with that explanation by himself, and it is the only explanation he needs. Yeah, like, that is the full extent of our understanding as to why he's okay with this. And Akko says, like, listen, check it out. He can recycle your garbage for you. Like, he can take care of this. Because apparently Putan is a garbage cannibal? Yes. In that he is he is made of trash, but also eats trash. And eats a lot of it. Like, he just sits there and, yeah. like, empties out, like, four huge trash cans, like, in a couple like of in seconds. in an instant. Which, again, in a universe where we are perpetually trying to get rid of our trash, uh, it seems like Putan would just be a real godsend. But anyways. So, the, the so trash Akko, dude. I'm sorry. The man who works at the dump. Yeah, it, who also apparently lives there. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's got like a little apartment in the dump. Like he immediately decides that Putan and him are going to be bros. And like Putan now lives there and works for him. Akko is like, listen, this guy will work for like 100 yen an hour. Uh, I yeah. don't know if Putan is supposed to be getting that money or if Akko is like collecting money on it. Uh, I am 100% certain that it is Akko who will be taking that money. Or at least a manager's fee. Let's be real, Matt. This is this is Akko we're talking yeah, about. She's taking like, all she's taking I mean, it's hundred yen an hour. Yeah. It's nothing, but you know, it's a little pocket change. But even so, a little walking around yeah. money. So, anyways, so uh, they're standing like there's a wall around the dump, and like boxes are just being like launched over this wall. 
uh, and like one of the boxes spills open, and it's full of like literally brand new clothes. And Akko's like, "What's going on? All this stuff is perfectly good." And the garbage man says, "Oh yeah, people do this all the time. They just throw away perfectly good stuff." And uh, he's like really upset about he it says, like, for reasons I don't totally and understand. And he says it usually happens at the end of the week. So the only reason that I can figure this out is like it's the end of the work week or something and they're trying to get rid of stuff. The explanation as to why like perfectly good things are being thrown away other than like as a like example as to what happens when you don't recycle in like a really like hyperbolic way. It's never really explained. But that is that I guess is what we're getting at here. Yeah, so Akko's looking at this stuff, and she's really sad about it, but not as sad as Puton, who is furious that people are, like, treating objects like garbage, even though he's garbage and eats garbage. Uh, he's very upset. And there's this weird moment where the man who runs the dump says that the people throw away their feelings for things along with the trash. So I I think maybe this is supposed to be commentary on like, hey, don't throw away perfectly good stuff. Even though Akko has thrown away something that meant a lot to her uh, with feelings and it's worked out pretty well. It's, it's a, we okay. got some mixed messages in this episode. Yeah, so Putan is so upset by these people throwing this away that he like leaps over the fence and like kind of jump scares these guys that are throwing stuff away and then they're trying to drive away and he's like holding onto their oh, dude, truck. He does more than that. And he tele like he uses his trash powers to like oh, that's telekinetically right. reverse like like all of the stuff that they had thrown over the wall into the dump, he like hurls back at them because he can control all trash, I guess. I guess. Uh, so they get like buried in a mountain of their own trash, and then they're trying to run away. And Puton like grabs the back of the van, and they can't escape. Now yeah. we cut to commercial here, and we see these same jerks later. So we know that Puton has not like murdered and eaten them. But I don't know how they get away. Yeah, I have no idea because now we're just at Sky Camp. Uh, because the chief is telling Akko that she does not approve of Akko's relationship with Puton. She's like, listen. Like, I kind of get it, but no. Like, Chief is not nearly this nice about it. Because as we have mentioned in the past, the Chief is as hard as a coffin nail. Uh, she's like, listen, it's a viral dimension. We don't know what's going on. Like, you cannot yeah, do this. She says, she says what we're all thinking, which is we still don't know what the deal is with the dimensional beasts. Yeah. And Akos is like, no, though. It's Puton, which now that he's useful in making her money, she's no longer interested in throwing away. Uh... Like, throughout this whole... Okay, so throughout this whole episode, we get all of this stuff that is like, oh, Puton, Puton's the best. I love this thing. Like, it's so wonderful. You can't tell me not to hang out with it. Despite the fact that she threw it away at the beginning of the episode. Okay, so, like, that's all that happens at Sky Camp. We jump back to the dump. It's nighttime. And we see Puton in a sort of, like, trash hut where he has... He's constructed, like, a makeshift shelter for himself out of trash uh but on the walls are pictures of Putan and Akko in her childhood I where those pictures come from I yeah, have no that's idea that's a complete mystery yeah but he has these pictures He's decorated his garbage lean to right 
And then, okay, so the guys that were dumping the trash have come back to the dump to seek revenge on Putan for throwing their own trash back at them. So their plan for this is to get a, a bulldozer and just bury him in trash. But again, like, guys, why would you attack a trash monster in a dump? It's like the center of his power. But It's like his sanctum sanctorum, it's, man. It's just a, it's such an insane thing to do. Like, okay, we were attacked by a monster earlier. What we are going to do now is we're going to break into a trash dump where the trash monster is. We are going to hijack a bulldozer and, like, try to just murder this thing. But they don't even get all the way to try to murder it. Like, they bury him and then, like, they just leave. Well, they don't just leave. Before they leave, like, just in case you were unclear as to whether or not these guys were bad people, they shout at Putan and say, now you see how scary humans can be. Yeah, uh, which is an odd thing to say. Oh, and th- this is where we find out that the garbage man lives there because he, like, runs out of a little apartment with a flashlight in his pajamas. So, like, he's not just doing a late shift. Like, dude has been asleep. Uh, And, like, tries to chase them off. So then we see, like, the scene ends, and we see Putan wandering by himself by the water. And he's, like, super upset and scared, and he doesn't understand, like, what is happening. He's like, all I try to do is be helpful, and people attack me. Like, I don't get it. Uh, It is daytime now, so he has been wandering for hours. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so Maria arrives again, like trying to turn him into a true monster. Yeah. And she says, in my notes, now you will be reborn. In my notes, it just says Maria turns him to the dark side because she doesn't just zap him. She shows up and's like, see how bad the humans are? Like they kill each other just for being different. What you need to do is murder them all. Oh my gosh. Okay. Matt, I'm sorry. Speaking of dark side and murdering people, I was driving somewhere today, okay. right? And I saw a decal on the back of somebody's car, and it said, it said, keep calm and turn to the dark side. That is, first of all, uh, one of the worst examples of the keep calm thing, uh, all of which are terrible. Yeah. P.S. They're all terrible. Yeah, first of all, they're all terrible. Second of all, those are completely antithetical statements. Right. But, and then, like, I was driving with my wife, and Beth was like, oh, well, that's actually a very effective bumper sticker. And I said, what do you mean? It's awful. And she said, yeah, but you're super angry about it, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. Like, I'm filled with hate. Right. And she said, well, you know, dark side. And I said, Oh, that's not what they meant, but in a weird way it works. It's getting heat. It's got uh, good heat. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, sorry. Uh, I just had to share that with you. So uh, Maria arrives, and she turns him to the dark side, and he turns into a giant monster. So now uh, Puton really is trash dimension. Like, his adorable teddy bear head turns into, like, a monstrous teddy bear head with, like, big sharp teeth and, like, weird eyes, and he's giant. And this dude goes on a ram page yes like a a rampage the likes of which i don't think we've seen in this show no we have not uh things get raw 
because what he does is like first of all he's just like smashing buildings like all the giant dimension monsters do and now we find something out that trash dimensions power to like restore things that were broken also works in reverse because what he does is he does like a flashy eye beam on all sorts of stuff and turns things that are kind of in good shape and pristine and like decomposes slash ages them instantly to the point of like destruction. This brings up and we see, oh, by the way, sorry. So he hits some people with this and they just immediately turn into skeletons. Yeah, like full on skeletons. Yeah, like they were people and now they've just been instantly like killed slash decomposed. This is huge. Because, Matt. Okay. So we now know that whatever Putin's power to like decompose stuff works on people. Right. Right? But we also know that the attack that he just did is an inverted version of something that he's already done, which is restore oh, something that I, was like okay, broken slash okay. destroyed. I think I see where you're going. To perfectly new and like operational so does this mean and i think the answer has to be yes does this mean that putin could literally resurrect the dead it has to sure why not yeah so putin can restore the dead to life Oh, and this is what, what we've thrown away with our garbage antics and bulldozer hijackings. Seriously. Way to go, humanity. Way to go. Again, people, the true monsters. Uh, okay, so like, Putin, Trash Dimension, rather. Trash Dimension is going on a rampage. The Jetmen show up. Akko, and this is the best part, and Garbage Man, who again has just decided that he and Putin are super bros show up and they are calling out to Trash Dimension. And they're like, Putan, no, like, you have to stop. Like, please, like, you can't let this happen. And the other Jetmen are uh, like, oh, like, now he is finally showing his true dimensional beast nature. To which Akko's yeah. like, no, 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 it's it's the people. The people have angered him. Yeah. Uh, and which so... Really, it, it has the uh, the vibe of, like, a, like a mid-to-late-run, like, 70s, 80s uh, Godzilla movie. Yeah, very much so. Like, Godzilla, ultimately a beneficent force, but, like, right. So, ah, man, dude, that most recent Godzilla movie was super, well, okay, it was almost super good. There were way too many people and not nearly enough Godzilla fights. Dude, you know what's a great Godzilla movie? It's Godzilla 2000. Oh, I never saw Godzilla that. Godzilla 2000 is, like, the like the straight-up Godzilla movie that came out after the terrible Matthew Broderick one. Right, right, right. Um, it's great. That's, I mean, it's just a Godzilla movie, but it's one that I never get a chance to talk about because who wants to talk about Godzilla 2000 with me? No one. Uh, I, I would, but not right at this right. instant. Right, now we're talking about uh, So anyway, <laughs> right, we're talking about a different Japanese uh, media piece. So uh, it's useless. Uh, Akko and Putan are unable to reach, I'm sorry, Akko and the Garbage Man are unable to reach through to Putan. The other Jetmen, they transform and they summon their jet machines and they are you know, attacking trash dimension and nothing like nothing really is working very well. Like they do the double blaster. It's not very effective. Uh, Raita tries to jump, drop a rock on it. Putan or trash dimension just catches it. Like nothing really is working. Although in a nice bit, like 
Uh, Raito tries to drop the giant rock at him. Putan catches it and throws it. And then we cut down to, like, ground level where Akko is still there, untransformed. And, like, the giant rock rolls past her. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, but at this point, Akko says, like, all right, whatever's happening, uh, I can't let Trash Dimension wreak this level of destruction. She says, I will stop Trash Dimension. So she cross-changes. She flies up into her jet machine. Uh, she tries to do Wing Cutter, which, if you don't recall, is her attack where, like, the wings of her jet machine launch off as, like, a bladey boomerang and attack. Uh, Trash Dimension just catches it and throws it through a building. And now... And at I've, this I've point, got a question for you, Dave. How is Akko sure. still alive? Because her jet does not have wings anymore. Like, like yeah, the, I have thought about that. The sequence that we saw earlier in the series, whenever that would happen, is like she would shoot the wings, her jet machine would just plummet until the wings got back to her and she would pull up at the last second. The wings aren't coming back. They are off somewhere in a building. I don't know how Akko doesn't just completely like explode on crash landing. Dude, I- I have no idea, but what she does say is let's form Jet... Maybe this is why she says let's form Jet Icarus, because that's what they immediately do. So maybe, like, the electric, like, tractor beam that combines them to form Jet Icarus just, like, reaches out and grabs her before she crashes. Maybe, man. Who knows? Maybe one of those phantom uh, hands, like, the Jet Icarus hands that come out of seemingly nowhere actually are, like, yeah. flying in from Sky Camp, and they caught her jet machine on the way. <laughs> Um, okay, so they form Jet Icarus, and uh, it still basically does not matter. Trash Dimension just ruins Jet Yeah, Icarus. it turns out Trash Dimension is, like, the strongest monster that they have fought yet. Yeah, dude, Trash Dimension can resurrect the dead. <laughs> he's He's got it all. Yeah, um, maybe they should just start th- tossing dimensional beasts on, like, whatever, because they thought Trash Dimension was going to be a loser, and he comes way closer than anybody else has to defeating the Jetmen. But, so what happens is that, like, Trash Dimension, like, smashes a building, and there's, a little, there's like, a big slab of concrete that is about to fall off this building, and it's going to crush this little girl. Akko sees this, and is like, oh my gosh, I have to save that little girl. She runs out of Jet Icarus, which is, like, incapacitated momentarily, and, like, jumps over and kind of covers the little girl and saves her from being crushed by this giant piece of concrete, right? Yes. So now she and the little girl, like, she's strong enough to hold it up so they're not crushed, but she can't get it off of herself. And now Maria, who has shown up to watch the fight, because now she's thrilled, uh, she says, like, okay, now Trash Dimension, like, kill her, step on her, crush her, like, do, do the monster stuff. Yeah, and so he goes to, and he's like, his foot is raised and it's coming down, but as he is doing this, the little girl is crying for her mommy, and this little girl's stuffed animal, which she also has, also has a little bell on it. And so Trash Dimension, like, sees this, and it triggers the memories of Puton, and he, like, stops. And he reverts back. Uh, he cries. And begins to... Cr- he, yeah, he cries energy yes, tears. He blue energy tears. Yeah, and then he stops, turns into Puton, and then shrinks, which I don't think we've ever seen. So he shrinks back to his original size. Uh, Akko has like just enough strength to let the girl go out from under this slab of concrete and then collapses. 
Puton runs over and like throws it the slab of concrete off of Akko and is like, oh my gosh, mommy, like, are you okay? Like, I will save you. Like, we'll be together. Like, everything's going to be fine. And so they start moving away from here. But now Maria is back to furious mode. And she is like, nope, I'm going to kill one or both of these idiots. Yeah. And so she jumps out and she goes to attack Akko. But Puton, like, throws Akko out of the way and gets stabbed himself. There's a big explosion of sparks because it's a Super Sentai show. But it's it's cool. Um, And Puton goes down. Uh, I was really... Like, I was upset by, like, this is, okay, this is not Farewell to Three Stooges. Well, what is? But, what is, really? Uh, This is not Farewell to Three Stooges. It's not quite at that level, but, like, this is a genuinely moving piece of television. I was like, like, I felt, I felt, I felt, I just, I felt, Matt. Uh, So, Akko also felt, and uh, she has superpowers, so she did a lot more about it than I probably would have. So she, like, she super attacks Maria. And it's actually, we get, like, a pretty neat fight. Yeah, it's fight. a really cool solo, like, one-on-one fight. You get some cool sword stuff in the beginning. Uh, then they're trading laser blasts back and forth. Akko does gymnastics at her, which is super effective. Yeah, right, it's amazingly, somehow. Uh, and so, the, she actually, she's about to take Maria out, the other Jetmen arrive, and Maria's like, again, I'm out. So she just, like, she teleports away. So, that is the end of the fight. We cut now to a funeral at a trash heap. Um, Putan is being laid to rest. Yeah, with, like, a cross and flowers. It's just, like... The like the like the grave marker is just like shoved into the trash heap at the junkyard. Right. Uh, the garbage man says he was more human than many of us, which is not true at all. Which is not true. Um, and then and like they're all very sad. And then the same dudes like show up and are like throwing garbage out of the back of their truck, and like cackling i guess and then akko just runs over and is like hey idiots and then the episode that's ends. it like End it does episode we do not see right. what happens then we don't know if akko murders those people right like why not just end on like the heartfelt statement about what it truly means to be human like na 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 we're gonna finish on akko yelling at these dudes who are doing illegal trash dumping. It's not even illegal, uh, I think. It's just wasteful, and she's mad at them. <laughs> like, she, like, they're not throwing away, like, important documents that need to be, like, preserved or anything. They're just throwing away, like, a radio that probably still works. And that's yeah, it. That um, is our episode. So, Dave, I ask you, do we know what a dimensional beast is yet? Okay. Okay, Matt. Here is my theory. Here it is. I think that perhaps the dimensional beasts are not themselves beasts from a particular dimension. Right. I think we covered that early on. However, I think we might be operating in like a multiverse theory here that's sort of like Dungeons and Dragons. In that there are, like, themed dimensions, right? Okay. So there's, like, a, there's like a mechanical-style dimension, and there's, like, a whatever-style, like, like, elemental planes, right? But more specific. 
And so I think what might be happening is that the dimensional bugs are a conduit for dimensional energy from this sort of like hyper-specialized elemental plane to like come in and invest life into a template that exists on Earth that is like whatever the object is. Does that make any sense? I guess. I mean, it, it, it makes as much sense as anything. Like, that's all, that's all I've got. And then are we comfortable with the assumption that the personality of that item is inherent to the item and not the, like, virum dimensional power that's being channeled into it? Okay, we... I don't... So here are the two options. Either all that stuff starts out evil, or... Or... Once they create a dimensional beast, the Virum just torture it into being evil. Because that's what Maria did with Trash Dimension. Yeah, but like we see other things become like Virum monsters early on. Like Jet. Uh, again, I hate that it was called Jet Dimension because it was Jet Dimension versus Jetman. But in the first episode, Jet Dimension, like it was just a plane. Like, they didn't torture that plane into being evil. That was, like, the chief's plane, I think. Okay, so maybe either it's... I. So, our options are, they're all evil, except Puton, or some of them are evil, and the ones that aren't evil are tortured into evil. Uh, either way, disturbing. Yeah. Jetman? Okay. Yes. Um, listeners, I'm sorry, we have talked about this episode for a very long time, but there was a lot to yeah. get through. But now, Dave, what is your high point of the episode? Uh, I think my high point of the episode is I, I really like the fact that Puton is able to like fix things that are broken. I thought it was a very neat application of an idea of like a trash themed power. Really was yeah. So that's my high point. Uh, how about you, man? It's kind of hard to pick. Um, I know it was a really it was a weird one, but it was a really it good was episode. really good. You know what I'm gonna say? I'm gonna say the fights at the end. We got a lot more like cool long fights at the end of this episode than we have in a while. Yeah, that is true. Those were like the Akko Maria fight was great. The uh, the fight between Garbage Dimension and Janicarus was a lot longer than we normally get out of a giant monster fight. I really yeah. appreciated it. And what was your yeah? No, it was really uh, what cool. was your low point? I think my low point is the horrifying waste that is the death of Puton. Um, he would just be an enormous help to humanity at large, and it's a real bummer that he died. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about you, man? I mean, honestly, this episode was great. My downside, or my low point, rather, is just going to be like how exhausting it is to try to think about all of the troubling questions that it raises. Fair enough. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. <laughs> um, and I think that is it from us on Jetman this yeah, week. Yes, so that is going to do it for another episode of the Jetman with the Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you all, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things we're talking about, uh, we're on Twitter at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. We are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. 
I'm we'll Dave. See you next week.